Hello, and welcome to Power Pros Podcast, episode 177. I'm your host, the Hoff, Chris Hoffman, and with me is my co-host and nemesis, Pete Mashad. Chips ahoy, Chris. Ahoy, Pete. Good to have you back. Uh, good to be back. And we are back once again to talk about what is going on in the world of Nintendo. So we've got some news, we've got some game impressions, and we have this week's big topic, which is going to be our favorite Nintendo gaming transformations. Mm, indeed. However, before we get to that, we got some big news from Nintendo earlier this week. It is now official. Nintendo Switch Lite is coming later this year. They done did it, Chris. Yes, indeed they have. And, you know, this is something that a lot of people have been predicting for quite some time. We've kind of been predicting it for quite some time. But yes, now it is actually going to be a reality on September 20th of this year. It's going to be available for $200. It's a dedicated handheld version of the Nintendo Switch. So that means it is not dockable. That means it does not have detachable Joy-Cons. It does not have HD rumble. It is a bit smaller. It is 3.6 inches by 8.2 inches compared to 4 inches by 9.4 inches. And the screen is 5.5 inches compared to the current model's 6.2 inches. So it's a little bit more portable, but you know, not a lot more portable. Right. Also worth noting is that instead of buttons on the left-hand side where you would you know, grab onto the, you know, what would normally be the Joy-Con, it actually has a traditional control pad there for playing games in a more traditional manner, just like the Pro Controller. That's right, which I think is a welcome addition for most people. Uh, yeah, I know it certainly is for me. So, Pete, knowing all that, what do you think of this product? Is it something that interests you? Does it make you happy? <laughs> uh, so this is a kind of a funny one for me. I definitely have an interest, right? Anytime a Nintendo product comes out, <laughs> I feel like I'm always like, hmm, do I need this? <laughs> yep, I know what you mean. At the same time, I don't necessarily think I'm necessarily the person for this product. But that being said, I think it is, um, you know, it definitely makes me consider it, especially if you're able to, you know, change your save files around so that I can basically play my same game on both systems. Yeah, that's really the big question for me. Can you share saves? And more importantly, can you share your downloadable games between systems? Now, I imagine that when it comes to game saves, it shouldn't be too hard because, you know, if you've got that cloud saving with Nintendo Switch Online especially, there's really no reason you shouldn't be able to transfer your progress between systems. However, when it comes to downloadable games, you know, that's something Nintendo has always been very hesitant to do. And, you know, I could see them making that kind of difficult. Right. Personally, I would really want to be able to have that functionality there. That would kind of be key. Right. I mean, I'm in a very different situation than you, Pete, because you get all of your games digitally. Me, personally, for at least half my library, I know I can play them on this new Switch because I can just, you know, take the cartridge out of my old Switch and plug it into this one. But still, you know, like half the games I have, you know, if I want to play Contra Anniversary Collection or Gato Roboto or who knows what else, you know, I would like to be able to play this on the new system without having to buy it all over again. So, you know, is that going to be a feature in there? I would really like to know that for sure before I can say one way or the other if this is something that I am going to get. Yeah, and then, you know, there's these other games that don't really utilize the cloud save feature, like Animal Crossing is supposed to be like that. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's one of those games I especially want to be able to have on both systems and be able to play both on my dedicated portable system for when I'm on vacation and then for, you know, playing it in dock mode at home. Yeah, that's a really good point. 
Yeah, so it definitely does raise some eyebrows. Like, I'm not sure if that's going to be possible. But, you know, for someone like me, I think that is a big decision point. But, you know, I think this, obviously, you know, now that the 3DS is kind of going away. Right. You know, I do think that's what this is, like, squarely aimed at, right? You're trying to hit Mm -hmm. that market of kids that, you know, maybe they don't own a Switch yet. Or maybe they already own a Switch in their home. But there's, like, another child or two and they want to be able to buy one for a hundred dollars less and uh Mm -hmm. i think there's a lot of room for that you know yeah i mean it definitely is looking to be more of an entry-level system so they're trying to make it more affordable they're trying to make it something that's more accessible i mean look at the colors that are available it is turquoise (laughs) gray and yellow i think when you look at that line of colors Two out of those three are definitely aimed more at a younger audience, I would say. Totally. And then I think it's also no mistake that it's coming out just a little bit before Pokemon. And there is this dedicated Pokemon colored variant coming out on November 8th. So, yeah, I think that's who it's going for. You know, like, oh, I'm going to get the new Pokemon game. Oh, I want to get something that's maybe a little bit cheaper, more affordable, maybe more of an impulse buy, maybe more of a holiday buy. I think that's who they are going for with this. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think it'll work. I mean, I think that the Switch is in a, a state right now where they're able to sell a lot of games and a lot of systems, Mm -hmm. and I think that this is kind of the right move. Yeah, I mean, I think it is definitely a good thing to have out in the marketplace. And, you know, for someone like me, who really does just use the Switch in docked mode, I'm kind of reluctant to take it out because I don't really think that it's small enough to be a portable system. Having this new one, I'm like, oh, I can take this out. I can actually almost possibly fit into my pocket, (laughs) you know, something I'm not worried about damaging while I'm out and about, you know, that would be perfect. I would love to have two separate systems, one that I can basically keep at home and one that can be a separate dedicated unit if it has the features that make that conducive. So I would like to find out, yes, they're going to be like Apple. If you download a game on one system, you can have it on your other systems as well. And there will be a way to transfer save files through the cloud. You know, if that's not there, it's certainly more of a question mark for me. But if that stuff isn't there, then it's like, yeah, I would, you know, kind of get that uh, right away. Or at least after they make some sort of cool Zelda variant. Yeah, I'm on the same boat with you. And as I mentioned not too long ago on Twitter, if Nintendo were to wise up and put Street Pass back in this thing, I will buy it in a split <laughs> second. You know, I was thinking that same thing. I was like, you know, that would be so cool if they introduced uh, Street Pass right before this launches. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, for a system that's a dedicated handheld like that, it would be a really, really cool feature to bring back. I would go for it. Yeah, so now my question is, are they going to do another version? Is there something coming out that's like the Pro model? I guess we'll have to wait and see, but it definitely would make you think that they would announce that around the time of this, so who knows? Well, I don't know. I think if they want to just have the focus on this new model, that would kind of make sense. I kind of suspect that there will be something else, whether that's just a new model that uses cheaper, more consolidated parts, or it's a Pro model with improved features, or maybe even both. Remains to be seen, but my guess is we will see something else down the pipeline. Yeah, definitely seems so. Anyway, it is certainly an interesting addition, and something that a lot of people have been talking about for a long time, and we'll finally get to go hands-on with it, and you know, possibly add it to our uh, gaming collection come September 20th. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I definitely want to see it because, uh, you know, anytime Nintendo releases new hardware, they always seem to use like a nicer screen or something like that. And then especially a little more condensed, it might actually make games look a little higher definition on handheld mode. Yeah, I guess we'll have to see. I have to ask, though, if you were going to get one of these, which of the four known colors would you go for? Hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a huge color man myself, but I think maybe... 
maybe, I don't know, you're putting me on the spot here, but maybe teal, maybe. But the gray one is like probably my most preferred, but I think the teal one is actually kind of cool. Yeah, the teal one, or the turquoise one as they call it, is yeah. what I would go for myself. You know, I have a teal-colored 3DS, and I like that quite a bit, so I would not mind getting a blue portable Switch light as well. Right. I'm really glad that they have just a neutral gray. Because <laughs> a lot of times they just do like the weird bright colors and you're like, wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want that. So it is nice to have that option. Yes, it's definitely nice to have some choice. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of choice, in a few months, players will be saying, I choose you to a bunch of new Pokemon in Pokemon Sword and Shield. And the Pokemon Company has just announced four new Pokemon characters for the game. Pete, did you check out these new additions to the lineup? I have. You know, nothing in-depth, but I've definitely, like, seen their character art. All right, well, let's give the rundown, and uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts. So, first of all, we have All Creamy, the cream Pokemon, who (laughs) basically looks like a pile of whipped cream with strawberries on top. (laughs) And according to its profile, it actually distracts enemies with its whipped cream. (laughs) It's kind of weird. This looks like something you might have for dessert. It does. I vote this as the Pokemon most likely to be devoured. I mean, it's literally got like strawberries bouncing off its head. Yes, yes. It is whipped cream. It is strawberries. And it looks pretty delicious. I (laughs) say this Pokemon, it better have some really high defense or it's gone, man. (laughs) I also kind of hope like they do a partnership with Dairy Queen and you can get the (laughs) Alchemy special. Mm, You can live out that fantasy of eating... Alchemy, right off the bat. <laughs> Dealish. <laughs> but do you like this one or not? You know, not personally. It's <laughs> it's interesting, but uh, probably not putting this guy in my party. Mm. Well, I like it just for the fact that it makes me kind of hungry. Mm. It does, actually. Then we have Roly Coley, the coal Pokemon, <laughs> which is basically a lump of rock with a red eye. According to its profile, apparently they used to be used as a power source in the Galar region. This one, I think it's probably the least interesting of the (laughs) new Pokemon. It is basically just a rock, let's face it. Yeah, it really is a rock. It's a turtle rock, if anything. (laughs) Yeah, not terribly exciting, but I don't know. Maybe it's cool. I mean, it looks like a piece of a lump of coal, really. Yes, that is exactly what it looks like. However, then we have Duraludon, which is an alloy Pokemon, and it basically looks like a robot dinosaur. (laughs) He kind of looks like Groudon from uh, Pokemon Ruby. Oh yeah, I can see the resemblance, but this one I think is probably a lot smaller and a lot wider and a lot lighter, supposedly. It's supposed to be, despite being made of metal, a very lightweight Pokemon. Also an interesting thing about is the way that its hands integrate into each other. It looks like they're made for pulverizing something into dust. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we can look forward to see how that plays out in the game. Yeah, almost like my molars. <laughs> yeah, something like that. And then the last Pokemon reveal here is the official announcement of Yamper. <laughs> and as you know, Yamper was one that was in the E3 build and I was very excited about. It is the Corgi Pokemon, and I'm already a huge fan of this one. But uh, it's great to see the official art and the official unveiling of my new favorite Pokemon. Yeah, I mean, it really is a Corgi, but it also is really cute. 
<laughs> yes, yes it is. And it has a move called Ball Fetch that can use to retrieve a Pokeball you have thrown, but you know it failed to make a catch. So if you want to get your Pokeball back, you can just send out Yamper and he will go and retrieve that ball for you. So that's kind of a cool new feature to know about. Yeah, yeah, I'll take it. But yeah, I like most of these, but Yamper is still far and away my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I gotta agree with you. Well, that's just a few of the many Pokemon we'll be seeing added to the game when Pokemon Sword and Shield come out on November 15th. From here, why don't we move along to some game impressions. And while I haven't had a lot of opportunity to play new releases since our last show, I have been playing Dr. Mario World, which was released on mobile platforms. Pete, have you been trying this as well? I have. I'm not terribly far into it, but I've definitely given it a shot. It's certainly an interesting take on Dr. Mario gameplay. I mean, it's actually really not that much like Dr. Mario at all. I mean, you're still matching up light-colored pills and viruses, but that's about where the similarities end. I mean, the fact that the pills fly upward instead of falling downward, you know, that's one thing, but it doesn't really change the gameplay too much. But what really changes it is the fact that it is much more cerebral, it is much slower paced, I think this manner of play works a lot better on mobile devices. But beyond that, you know, it kind of really does play into this Dr. Mario World name in that it's more expansive. There's a whole lot more that you can do. There's a whole lot more for you to think about compared to regular Dr. Mario. Yeah, it's a little bit more of the actual puzzle elements rather than just sort yes. of like a Tetris-style game. Right. I mean, it's really more about thinking rather than quick reflexes. And, you know, there's all this other different stuff to do. You know, you can activate bombs to clear out some viruses. You can activate shells to wipe out rows. You might have to match colored locks to be able to unlock the viruses before you can defeat them. And then some viruses take multiple hits before they can be eliminated. Some of them are hiding inside blocks. And some of them are inside bubbles that protect them and make them float around. Uh, plus, you know, after you, you know, break open a capsule, you can then quickly drag that other remaining piece of the capsule to be used for something else. So, yeah, there's a whole lot more to the gameplay compared to that original Dr. Mario concept. Yeah, even like the overworld, I really like that. I mean, yep, Dr. Yep. Mario clearly has never had an overworld, but this one's, you know, kind of a throwback to the other Mario games, you know? Yeah, I mean, it really is playing into its title pretty well. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, there are items. You can use some items during gameplay and some during matches. You know, there's a hammer you can use to smash some of those blocks I was talking about earlier. You can use an item to fill your special meter. Yeah, it's another thing is that you have special moves depending on your character. And for that matter, there are all these other different characters to unlock. Although one of the items I've noticed is it's like, you know, an item that just boosts your score by 10%. And that's like pretty much literally pay to win as far as I'm concerned. If that's not what it is, then <laughs> what else do you call it? Just boosting your score? No actual gameplay functionality? That's just kind of weird, you know? Yeah, it does kind of make you scratch your head a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really encountered any problems yet, but it kind of looks like they are trying to monetize the heck out of this. So, like I was saying, there are lots of characters in there. And have you gotten to the point where you get to choose your character yet, Pete? Yeah, you uh, don't you get to pick from um, Bowser, Mario, Peach? Yep, that's right. Who'd you go with? I stuck with Mario. Ah, uh, okay. Well, I can understand that. Uh, I went with Bowser myself, yeah. but the thing is, you know, after you make that choice, you are apparently stuck with that character permanently <laughs> until you choose to buy another character. I don't quite have enough coins to try to get another character yet, but I think it's a gotcha-based play mechanic where I just have to luck out and like, oh, if I really want to play as Mario, 
well, I'm just going to have to get lucky and hope that I am able to get him as another character to use. But I got to spend 4,000 coins to do it. Wow. Yeah, and then we know there are other characters in there as well. There's Toad, there's Toadette, there's Luigi, there's Yoshi, and there's a whole supporting cast. I'm not really sure what the supporting cast does, but they are in there as well to apparently lend you some sort of boost during gameplay. Oh, cool. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on with these gems. If you want to use certain items during gameplay, they cost gems. Like, I clicked on one of the icons just to see what would happen during the game, and it's like, oh, sorry, you don't have any gems yet. Want to go to the store? Oh, here, buy some gems. <laughs> and the gems are about 10 cents each, so you can buy 20 for $2. Or, you know, all the way on the other hand, like their most expensive one is you get 1,050 gems for $70. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I don't really anticipate a situation where I would do that, but just the fact they are implying, hey, perhaps you should plunk down $70 to play this Dr. Mario game is just kind of obscene, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I think what you're getting at is it's kind of obscene for Nintendo. I don't think it's that obscene compared to what I've seen on the um, App Store. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's lots of games that will nickel and dime the heck out of you like this, but they are not the games I want to play, and they're definitely not in the Nintendo games I am used to. I mean, you can do the same sort of thing in Animal Crossing as well. Don't get me wrong. It's not a brand new thing. But you know, just looked at them like, wow, this is kind of crazy. I would much rather pay, you know, $10 for a full experience than something that's like, hey, pay $70 for all these gems. Yeah. That's just kind of nuts. Yeah. And I, I will say I do feel a little sad for them because, you know, they, they did the $10 Mario thing and there was right, a lot of right, people exactly. that complained about it. Yep. And now they do it for free, but then they charge the, you know, pay to win kind of model where, mm-hmm. you know, it is, it's a tricky situation. I mean, I think there is some balance in there, but, uh, you know, I think they're still kind of figuring that out, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I remember when they first started doing this, they're like, oh, no, all of our stuff is going to be traditional business model. But then they did Mario Run. And they were like, no, we're not going to pay $10 for your <laughs> crappy mobile game. Right. It should only be 99 cents or better yet free. <laughs> and so I feel like it really forced their hand on that. And they had to totally backpedal. Now everything is like, here, spend $70 in gems or $100 in leaf tickets or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, I don't really know how that's going to play out. The part that I have played of Dr. Mario World so far, I haven't really felt the need to spend that stuff. I mean, right. you do have a stamina meter, and every time you play a match, it spends some stamina. But every time I win a match, I get the stamina back. So, so far in the early goings, I'm up to like, you know, level 25 or something. It hasn't really been an issue. There hasn't really been a necessity to use these items or spend real money. And, you know, every time I see something like that, it's like, oh, you know, spend your gems on this item. I'm like, well, no, I feel like that's cheating. I'm going to do this without cheating. I can do it without that. And so, so far, I haven't felt compelled that I've needed to do that. But then again, it is very early goings, so we'll have to see. But, you know, that aside, just taken as a puzzle game, I am enjoying quite a bit of it. And I like the additions. I like the depth. I like the way it has broadened what is out there and what makes up a Dr. Mario experience. And uh, while I am a little bit concerned about where he got his doctorate, it's very interesting <laughs> to be able to play as Bowser and Peach as well. <laughs> yeah, I do wonder if he spent uh, seven years in medical school. I predict he did not. <laughs> I think that he just stole that diploma from somewhere. In fact, they kind of imply it's just a lab code. He might not even be a real doctor. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, that stethoscope, it's just for show. Yeah, do your homework, kids, before you visit a care practice practitioner. Exactly. Anyway, I am kind of enjoying it so far. I'm very worried it's going to try to nickel and dime me to death. But 
you know, so far, it could certainly be a lot worse. And uh, from an aesthetic standpoint, it looks and sounds pretty great. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the production value is very high, and that's actually, I think you're alluding to that. It's like, that's a lot of the best part of it. Mm-hmm. I had a little bit of a problem, just the, you know, the first levels are just so easy. And it's like, yeah. it's like I'm still, I think I'm like almost to level 20, and I haven't really f- played a level where I had to like replay it. Right, right. Because it's just so stinking easy. It's like, um, <laughs> but they also don't count that towards your uh, your stamina meter yet, so you can basically right. play all the first I think, 20-something levels. Um, yeah, the first 20 levels is basically a free demo, I think. After that, that's when your stamina starts getting consumed. That's when they start asking for more money to buy more characters, more items, and things of that nature. Right. So, yeah, even though it's so far so good, it's really after this where it's really going to be important and see how it all comes together. Right. So, you know, cross my fingers, that continues to be a decent and worthwhile experience right so if you're on the fence i would say at least pick it up and play the first 20 levels and see what you think yeah totally because the price is right for that (laughs) (laughs) yes absolutely beyond that yeah we'll see how it goes (laughs) indeed all right well we don't have any other impressions for this week so why don't we take an intermission hey wait a minute there buddy oh uh what's going on pete what could possibly be on your mind well it's been a little while but it's time to hassle the Hoff. Oh, right. Yeah, when you weren't here last week, I totally forgot about that. Oh, man. Okay, guess we're back to doing this again. All right, let's get this show on the road. What's on your mind this week, Pete? <laughs> Dear Video Game Professor Hoffman. Yes? If you consider Bloodstained to be this you know, recreation of Castlevania... What other franchise would you like to see brought to the forefront and uh, released on Switch as a new video game? Oh, you're asking about spiritual successors, are you? Mm-hmm. There have been quite a few over the years. I mean, we got Mighty Number no. 9 as a Mega Man spiritual successor, and while that was a horrible disaster, it was probably a key factor in Mega Man actually coming back with Mega Man 11. <laughs> Act Racer's always been a favorite of mine. We're kind of already getting a spiritual successor to that right. with Soul Seraph. I might be tempted to say something like Streets of Rage or Final Fight. We're actually getting a Streets of Rage 4 sometime in the near future. Yeah, it's kind of unbelievable. But I guess, you know, going along something along those same lines, I suppose there is plenty of room in this world for a true successor to Golden Axe. Oh. I mean, some might consider, you know, the beat-em-up genre to be... The same as Golden Axe, which you know has very similar play mechanics, but you know the way that that game feels, you know, using an axe or a sword to fight enemies in that same type of belt scrolling action game, you know, it actually does feel really different in a lot of ways. And even though there are some games that have tried to do it, I don't think it really has a true spiritual successor out there that's really ever done it quite as well as Golden Axe. So I would like to see someone pick up the mantle, so to speak and deliver an excellent spiritual successor in that same vein of 2D side-scrolling hack-and-slash action. I think that's what I would go for. Yeah, as long as I can kick me some hobbits or whatever those things are. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I'm all in. Those beardy little freaks. (laughs) Yes, they are. Okay, well, does that take care of your question for you? Yeah, that answer will satisfy. Okay, in that case... Let's take it in our mission, and then we come back, we'll discuss this week's big topic, the coolest Nintendo gaming transformations. (laughs) 
All right, we are back, and we are ready to discuss this week's big topic, which is the coolest Nintendo gaming transformations. I'm talking about characters that transform, objects and games that transform. Uh, the big warning here is some of these things are absolutely spoilers. You <laughs> might be spoiled from some of the stuff we're talking about on this list, so if you don't want to be spoiled, now's your chance to turn back or fast forward or do whatever. Because some of these don't happen until much later in the game. Now, that being said, a lot of these are old. So, uh, you know, the feel yes, like that's the, very true as well. The statute of limitations is a little little bit expired on these. but Exactly, exactly. We're not going to be spoiling anything from the last few years, but maybe one. Well, there are a couple. But one of the more recent ones is what we're starting with here at number 10. It is Super Mario Odyssey. And, I mean, I guess technically they aren't really transformations because you're using Cappy to more possess <laughs> the right. characters in the game than you are actually transform into them. But from a gameplay perspective, it's essentially the same thing. Yep. Mario is turning into a Goomba or turning into a Bullet Bill or perhaps turning into a giant screen-filling Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> At one point, even Bowser, you know? Yeah, and there's some really elaborate ones in this game, but I think the T-Rex probably takes the cake, right? Yeah, it's definitely the coolest one. And besides, how can you not enjoy a T-Rex with a mustache? <laughs> it's true. It's a me, T-Rex. <laughs> yeah, and you know, obviously that's a core play mechanic of Super Mario Odyssey. It's done really, really well. There's lots of great uses of it in there. But yeah, that is definitely worthy of being on the list. And whether you technically call it a transformation or not, it's awesome. So that is our first entry here, the transformations of Super Mario Odyssey. Yeah, it's like you could chalk that one up to one that I never thought I'd ever see. <laughs> yeah, I was never expecting that either, but it is pretty awesome nonetheless. <laughs> totally. Number nine then, moving on. This is another really broad one. We are just picking Kirby. <laughs> it's true. He is Mr. Transformation. Yep, he is normally a pink puffball, but he also transforms into all kinds of different things. He can turn into a train or a spaceship or a UFO, or when he absorbs people's powers, you could sort of consider that a transformation as well. So he transforms into a beetle or a ninja or a karate fighter, or he transforms into Mario or Solid Snake or <laughs> Bowser or Ridley or whatever. So, yeah. yeah, he has some pretty impressive transformative powers, and they almost always lead to something super cool. If you just consider Smash Brothers alone, that's like 70 transformations right there. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, yeah, he has certainly got the stuff when it comes to transforming. Number eight on the list is Shantae. The character from Way Forward. She is the half-genie hero who is also a dancer, and she uses that dancing to be able to transform into various animals, including a monkey, an elephant, a spider, a mouse, a harpy, a mermaid, a crab, even a blobfish. Hey, spoilers here. Yeah, you just started playing half-genie hero, didn't you? Yeah, I'm actually, like, right in the middle of it, so uh, <laughs> I didn't even know I'm going to become all those things, but uh, interesting to know. I like it. Well, not all of those are in that game. Some of those are exclusive to older games. I but see. yeah, most of them are in Half Genie Hero, and that one does have more transformations than any other game in the series. But yeah, it's really cool. You can climb walls with the monkey. You can smash through things as the elephant. Of course, you know, going underwater as the mermaid, going into little small areas as the mouse, uh, flying around as a bat. That's another one. Being able to explore underwater areas with the crab. And you can upgrade all those abilities, too, to give them new powers and even make them more useful. So, yeah, those are definitely some of the cooler transformations that are out there. And you do it through dancing. <laughs> yes, indeed. That makes it all the better. 
Moving on to number seven. This is a pretty famous one. The transformation of Ganondorf into Ganon. Yeah, I mean, this one by name alone isn't really super surprising. No, no. I mean, you know this is going to happen. It's something that's been talked about in the Zelda series for plenty of years before we saw it. But you know, when it happened, when we finally got to witness it ourselves in Ocarina of Time, it was like, wow, this is pretty darn cool to actually see it happen, to actually see Gandorf change from his human form into his big, freaky pig monster form. Yeah, and it's pretty unforgettable, I'd say. Yeah, and uh, his gigantic honking pig form is way more horrifying than it ever was in the original NES Legend of Zelda. He's kind of comical in the original Legend of Zelda, to be honest, but he is fairly horrifying in Ocarina of Time and the games that followed. Yeah, I mean, even with the uh, 64-bit graphics, you're still pretty terrified by that. At least I was. Yeah, he is a pretty darn intimidating dude, and even though you knew it was coming, it was like, wow, this is really, really cool to see in action. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of terrifying end bosses in Nintendo games, our next one is the Mother Brain, specifically from Super Metroid. Yeah, this one really is a shocker when you see it. Yeah, because you know, if you played the original Metroid, then you kind of thought you knew what to expect with Mother Brain. It's just kind of a brain in a glass jar. Whoopee! <laughs> and, you know, when you get to that in Super Metroid, it's pretty much the same thing. You know, it's this big brain it's got a big eyeball it's in a glass jar you blast it with missiles you're getting pelted with lasers yes but the brain itself you know it's not actually that big a threat right so you blast it with missiles and it starts exploding it's like okay all right we took care of that boss but then you discover oh no that's not it at all and in that game it actually transforms into this giant monster <laughs> and the brain literally is just ahead and there's like this whole big you know tyrannosaurus shaped creature down there that's gonna kick the crud out of you yeah and it can like shoot just like devastating beams across the level and mm-hmm. it, i mean it looks like a monstrosity really probably one yeah of the, it's sort of a big mutant freak probably one of the most grotesque things i've ever seen on a 16-bit console <laughs> that is probably very fair to say yes <laughs> but uh yeah you know when you go in there thinking you know what's coming and it's like oh no there is something way 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 beyond that that definitely makes it one of the coolest transformations out there for sure yeah especially if you're running low on health at that point which <laughs> you yeah. are usually yeah if you're not careful that could easily be the end of you number five on the list is torna's ship from xenoblade chronicles 2 now it's kind of hard to go wrong with an actual giant transforming robot but that is exactly what you have in this game you know the story in xenoblade is full of all kinds of twists and turns and you know there are these continent-sized creatures called titans and you know one of these factions is making the titans go out of control and it's attacking the other continents and the bad guys you've been fighting the whole time are sort of traveling around in this big old ship and wreaking havoc on everybody but wouldn't you know it When it comes down to it at the end, they have their ship transform into an actual freaking giant robot, and that's exactly what you need at that time to fend off those darn titans, and boy, is it cool. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of cool stuff in that game, but uh, the transforming Torna ship is uh, probably the coolest moment of all. Sounds like it's almost worth playing just to see that. Uh, Yeah, if you haven't played it, maybe check it out on YouTube or something, but yeah, it is definitely pretty excellent. And speaking of mechs, number four on the list is the mech transformation in the Boy and His Blob remake for Wii. Now, if you have ever played 
A Boy and His Blob, either the remake or the original, they know it's all about transformations. As the boy, you use jelly beans and you feed them to the blob, and then it turns into useful items like a parachute or a trampoline or a ladder or something like that. But then, at the end of the game, you know, when uh, things are sort of starting to get bad and sinister, the blob is able to transform into this whole mech suit, and, you know, the boy gets into the mech suit, and suddenly you can just sort of, you know, kick butt and just tear through enemies, and it's really, really empowering to be able to just use the blob in his mech form to be able to fight like that. It's super fun, it's super cool, it is easily the highlight of that game, and, uh, you know, anyone who has played it will probably tell you it puts a huge smile on their face when that happens. Yeah, I'm actually, I googled an image of it, and uh, I'm pretty impressed. It's cool looking. Yeah, and that game is just gorgeous to begin with. So, yeah, that's really, really a great part to experience. Number three on the list, it is Link's transformation into a wolf in The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. And, you know, there are lots of cool transformations throughout The Legend of Zelda games. Yeah, there really are. He turns into different forms in Majora's Mask. You know, a Goron, a Zora, a Deku Scrub, and there are other things he transforms into throughout the series as well. But I think, personally, that his transformation to a wolf is the coolest of all. Yeah, and don't forget uh, Sheik and Zelda, you know, that's a pretty cool transformation of its own. Oh, yes, yes indeed. As is Gan, as we mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the wolf thing, it's just, you know, at first you're like, what the heck is going on? Because suddenly you're stripped of your items and your weapons, and... At the time it first happens, it's not reversible. You are just stuck in wolf form at that <laughs> point, and it's totally unconventional. You're playing a very different type of experience. You're not doing what you're used to doing in a Zelda game. So, you know, you're just as startled as Link is. But, you know, pretty soon you're gaining new skills, you're learning how to use Midna's powers in wolf form, and you get to make up for your lack of using items and uh, swordplay with some very, very unique skills and a very different but very cool type of Zelda gameplay. Yeah, it's definitely a pretty unforgettable experience. Yeah, for sure. That brings us to number two on the list, which is Mario's transformation into Mega Mario. And once again, Mario is a character that has had a ton of cool transformations over the years, and we could probably easily make just a list of top 10 coolest Mario transformations. You know, he (laughs) turns into a raccoon, he turns into a cat, he turns into a boulder. (laughs) But I think the one that is by far the most impressive is when you get the Mega Mushroom, which first appeared in New Super Mario Brothers, and that, you know, it's this big, bulbous, bouncing mushroom, and it makes you transform into a gargantuan, screen-filling Mario, and you can just sort of smash through everything in your path. Like, the first time that happened, I was like, oh my gosh, wow, this is so amazing. (laughs) I am a screen-filling Mario character, and I'm just bashing through all the blocks and all the enemies and through all the pipes, and... You know, as far as I'm concerned, it is very much a holy crap kind of moment. And it's just kind of too bad it's so powerful because it means they can't really do it on every stage because otherwise it would wear out its welcome really fast. Right. But boy, when you get to do it, it is awfully exciting. Yeah, and it's just, it kind of has that, like you said, it's kind of like so surprising that it happens that it's just, uh, it really is a fun experience. It is. It's fun, it's empowering, and it's a really great addition to the Mario gameplay. Totally. And I guess that brings us to number one on the list, and that is Dr. Wily's alien transformation from Mega Man 2. (laughs) 
And I am very positive I have discussed this on the podcast before because it is certainly a personal favorite of mine. But as a kid, the first time I experienced this, it was like the most mind-blowing thing I'd ever seen in a video game. <laughs> and you know, what happens is, you know, first you defeat Dr. Wily in his first form, in his Wily machine, and you defeat him, and he goes flying off in this little capsule, and you kind of think you've won the game, but then he escapes, and the map screen appears, and it actually literally draws a new level in front of your eyes. You're like, oh man, there's a brand new level I have to go through, <laughs> and so you have to race through this level, and it's just this creepy cave with these acid droplets that try to fall on your head but yep. you race through that you get to the end you get into the boss room it's totally dark and the ufo shaped ship comes down and dr Weller kind of floats out of it and then he transforms into a freaking alien <laughs> and you know i was just like oh my gosh of course this explains it he was an alien all along <laughs> and that's why you know he's been Mega Man's nemesis he's not even human oh my gosh and it was just you know, so mind-blowing to me back at the time. And then, of course, you, know, you fight him, you defeat him, you discover it's actually just a hologram and Dr. Wiley was just controlling it and he is a human after all, he's not an alien. But regardless of that, it is still, I would say, one of the coolest transformations and coolest final battles I have ever experienced. Totally, and it's like just so weird and perfect for that game just to like kind of end <laughs> with that kind of ending. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's back in the olden days, you know, when there really wasn't a narrative. They don't really explain anything. There's no cutscene saying, right. oh, my gosh, Dr. Wiley's an alien. You just see it. He just flies out there. You know, he does the transformation and you just witness it. And you're like, oh, my gosh. And, yeah, it just sells it without, you know, overselling it. So it's sort of like all just going on in my head. And, yeah, that's what makes it so especially amazing, even after all these years. He basically becomes Martian Manhunter. <laughs> Something like that, yes. <laughs> And with that said, that does it. That takes care of our list of the coolest Nintendo game transformations. Obviously, we weren't able to list everything. I'm sure there are some cool ones that we left off this list. If any listeners have any cool transformations that they would like to share, we would be more than happy to hear it on the show and uh, talk about that. But uh, for now, I think this wraps up this week's big topic. Yeah, there really are a lot of them, though. Yeah, yeah, there are certainly plenty of them out there. Uh, another one from Mega Man, you know, uh, Rush. He transforms into various vehicles and things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's all kinds of cool transformations out there. But yeah, it is time for us to finish off this week's episode of the show. However, before we go, we do have time for one more thing. Mm. And that is a dramatic reading. And this time it is from the Nintendo Switch eShop. It is a description of the Switch game, Glaive Brick Breaker. Action-packed, old-school arcade classic is back, an all-new Arkanoid experience. You have been granted access to Pilot Glaive, a brick-breaking battleship. Prove your ability and use it to fight through 125 stages of intense Arkanoid-style action. Glaive is a classic and popular Arkanoid-type game with beautiful 3D graphics. Many power-ups, tons of different stages, and dynamic gameplay various game modes and boss fights. All you need is here. Mm -hmm. Do not waste time and start your adventure. Today is this sensational remake of one of the most popular games of all time. Go back to the past. Play your favorite game in a style reminiscent of the cult classic version of the game. <laughs> Features, an all new brick breaking game. Use your glaive ship to break bricks and obtain many different power ups. 
over 120 levels. Smooth controls, easy to learn. <laughs> Great ball mechanics that let you control its speed with a bit of experience. Two-player versus mode, grab a friend and find out who's better. Boss fights, it's never easy, but you can do it. <laughs> Different game modes, classic, pong, shape breaker, boss fight. Beautiful 3D graphics. Rockets. I think the all cap rockets at the end of that is my favorite part. Does that sell it to you? Are you sold on it now? Um, you know, kind of, kind of. I, I was always in for some Arkanoid style games. They do say the word Arkanoid an awful lot for a game that is not actually Arkanoid. I feel like uh, you know, they're pushing the limits there of how many times <laughs> they could say that before they get sued. <laughs> I love the, the last line, the play your favorite game in a style reminiscent of the cult classic version of the game. <laughs> like what? Yeah, seems like some of the times they were trying to dance around it. Some of the times, nope, not so much. They're just going to come out and say it in your face as much as possible. Yeah, watch out. You'll have Taito breathing down your neck. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Anyway, I guess that does it for this week. As always, you can find us at powerpros.podbean.com and you can follow us at powerprospod on both Facebook and Twitter. You can follow me, the Hoff, on Twitter at Chris the Hoff, and you can find Pete at Burly Red Yeti. You can email us at powerprospod at gmail.com. And if you like the podcast, it would be great if you told your friends about us. Thanks for listening, everybody. For myself, Pete Mashad. Smell you later, Chris. And our good friend Meta Knight. Fight me. We will see you next time. <laughs>